Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our topic is Have a New You by Friday. Now, how many of you would like to change some things in your life? Just put your hand up. There's some things. Yeah, see what I mean? We'd all like to change things. Those of you who want to lose weight, let's pick on that. I can help you lose weight. You want to lose weight? Post your weight tomorrow in the break room at work. (laughs) And then every Monday, change it. You'll lose weight. Why? Because you've taken that step to lose weight. How you're going to lose weight? We're all going to lose weight differently. But see... Within the behavioral science area, so there's some unwritten law that says for behavioral change to take place, uh, that has to take a long period of time. Well, let me tell you a little story about Kevin Lehman. I grew up in Williamsville, New York, outside of Buffalo. I graduated fourth in my class in Williamsville High School. Unfortunately, it was fourth in the bottom and not fourth in the top. <laughs> One of my vivid memories was being in a reading group with a girl who ate paste. I remember thinking, I know I don't belong in this group. But God bless the school system. They had this wonderful way of, you know, putting me in this slow learner group. And despite my efforts, I became a senior. And uh, I couldn't get in college. I couldn't get in a university. Uh, My mother, God bless her, she was the believer in our family. And she prayed for me every day of my life. And uh, actually, she went to school more than I did, come to think of it. I used to cut school on Mondays and Fridays with great regularity. But long story short, uh, I couldn't get in college. Finally got into college on probation, then got thrown out a year later for stealing the conscience fund, which is a long story you don't have time to go into. And then moved from Chicago. Well, moved. I got thrown out of college. In Chicago, I moved. That's a nice way of saying it. You're gone. Um <laughs> And I came to Tucson, Arizona and got a job as a janitor at Tucson Medical Center, a local hospital. Well, God does move in strange ways because I met my wife-to-be in the men's room of that hospital. She was a nurse's aide. You know how the janitor puts the barrel in and lets you know don't come in? And I'm mopping the floors and my wife's a looker. I mean, she's 67 years old and still a looker. I mean, she'll walk in a restaurant. I'm not kidding you. Heads will turn. And the neat thing about Miss, Mrs. Uppington, as I call her, she's the classy one of the two of us, is she's prettier on the inside than she is on the outside. But she walked in and her eyes met and I thought, oh, that's not check, oh, because I'd seen her in the hospital. I was afraid to say anything to her. She was just so stunningly beautiful. And I thought, there she is, say something. And I was always good at saying stupid things because I was sort of the class clown and all that. So I said, uh, uh-uh. would you like to go to the World's Fair with me? Well, the World's Fair was in New York City. This is Tucson, Arizona. I'm making $195 a month full time. Okay? So she says, well, uh, I don't know. I said, well, how about lunch then? So I moved quickly. And we, we went to McDonald's. And we shared a 20-cent cheeseburger and a 10-cent Coke. Now, you got to be old to remember... The 15-cent burger. How many of you remember the 15-cent burger? Yeah, you're going to die soon. That was a long time ago. But anyway, I'm telling you, I'm falling in love with this chick 
I can't believe this woman is talking to me and we start to date and we're sneaking kisses before our seven to three shift and things are moving along and, and I'm in love. I mean, I am walking down the street like this, man. I am in love. Now, what you have to understand about me is I'm a punk. I walk cool. I smoke my Salem cigarettes. I'm cool. I got the belt for you old guys on the side. I got greasy hair going back. And to top it off, I got a chipped tooth that had worn through the porcelain cap. So I got a hole right in the middle of my tooth. You put that together with a janitor's uniform with a cross broom and a mop, I was a looker. But see, women have this ability to look inside us men much better than we do. As men, we're blinded by the outside. We started a date. We dated about four months. She pops the question. She says, would you like to go to church with me? I remember thinking, oh, no. She's one of them. What do you say to this chick you've fallen in love with, gentlemen? You say, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go to church. I was lying through my teeth. I didn't want to go to church. I remember sitting in her church, okay, thinking, no chick is worth this. And then she wanted me to go at night. Why would you go to church at night? You didn't do it right in the morning? And I was sitting there at night, and this guy was talking about the guy who knew Jesus Christ was in his head. But he didn't know who he was in his heart. And friends, I knew who he was talking about. I tried to avoid that sucker, and every time I looked up, those big brown eyes were looking at me. And you talk about being under conviction of, of the Holy Spirit. I mean, man, the beads of sweat. I mean, I was sweating like a hog. And everything that happened that night was supernatural because I didn't want that to happen. And yet I walked out of that church, praise God, a new man. I had taken two courses. I'd taken two courses at the university, Geology 101, and flunked it. Worked full-time, took one course, flunked it. Took another course, Geology 101, flunked that again. I was old for 2 at the U. Became a believer, went back to school full-time, 16-unit load, dean's list. What does God do to your life? He changes your life. He gives you new life through His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm living testimony to that. Graduated fourth and bottom of my class, was taking consumers mathematics as a senior in high school. Nancy went to the store with a dollar to purchase four apples. Came home with 50 cents. Change. How much were the apples? That's final exam stuff. I remember my youngest daughter bringing home her math assignment. I'd look at that and I said, Shazam, when they start using letters. But God is in the life-changing business. Isn't it interesting? He uses ordinary people to do what? Extraordinary things. Well, let's go back to have a new you by Friday. If there's some things in your life you want to change, you've got to focus in on one thing. That one thing, whatever it is. And you begin to shrink yourself. I say in the little book, have a new you by Friday, the book ought to cost 300 bucks. Go see a shrink for a couple sessions to see how much money you've just laid out. And I believe that you can actually shrink yourself. We all grew up in families, okay? I'm the guy that wrote the birth order book. Youngest in the family. Had older sister, Sally. 
Pastor Sally, we call her. Pastor Sally, children's ministry pastor. Never got a B in her life in anything. Perfectionist, okay? Come to her home, and the first thing that greets you is the clear vinyl runner. Oh, it's a very warm feeling. Welcome to our home. (laughs) I've never seen her furniture. It's covered with sheets. It only comes off when company comes over. And check this out. She puts newspaper under the cuckoo clock. That's my perfect sister. Then I had brother Jack, who was the quarterback on the football team, voted best looking in his senior class and all that. And a great student, who, by the way, is a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. Okay? And then there was me. Now, looking back and shrinking myself, what was the lie that I believed about myself and my family? The stars of the Lehman family were who? Older sister and older brother. I wonder how many people here this morning have believed a lie based upon how they were brought up. Maybe you were put down and criticized. I'm telling you, there's people here who are procrastinators par excellence. I don't want to see you show your hands, but I know you're here in huge number. I'm so old... I've done every TV show there is. I've done Oprah like five times. Now she's retired. Regis, over 20 times. Uh, If you're really old, you remember a guy named Phil Donahue. I did Phil Donahue with a birth order book. But, you know, when you look at families, and here's this little, all these little cubs come out of the den, everybody sees themselves differently. I only count when I achieve, when I do right, when I'm perfect, and all those things that people have. I only count in life when I'm noticed, when I get other people to put in my service, when I mediate. I mean, everybody has a little life theme, okay? But so many of these things we learn about ourselves are lies. Just like I believe the successful people in the Lehman family were brother and sister. There was an old gray-haired school teacher who was somewhere between estrogen and death who pulled me aside in April of my senior year and said, Lehman, have you ever thought that maybe you could use those skills for something positive in life? You know, that was the first time a teacher ever said to me I had skills. She said, I've seen you in the classroom. I hear teachers talk about you in the faculty lounge. Maybe you could make something of yourself. It was interesting. That was April of my senior year. That's the time I went in and saw my counselor for the first time in my life, by the way. And he looked up at me and said, Lehman, with your grades and your disciplinary record in this school, I couldn't get you admitted to reform school. Now, I got thrown out of fourth grade, got thrown out of Cub Scouts, got thrown out of college. Okay? And uh, yet, 41 books later, 10 years as a dean of students at the University of Arizona, I've accomplished a few things in life with God's help. Because he took me... When I was what? Submissive to Him. Okay? You want to make it in marriage today, you better understand what the word submissive is. And is that ever a fun topic to bring up to women today? I spoke at Women of Faith. 10,000 women in the round. It was sickening. The smell of estrogen was overpowering. I'm the only man in the place. And Mrs. Uppington is sitting down next to Amy Grant, having the time of her life. Not listening to a word I'm saying, by the way. But listen to what St. Paul says. He says, you wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. Now, we've beaten women over the head with submission, gentlemen. I'm telling you. 
I call St. Paul the equal opportunity employer because if you look down a little bit farther down in uh, Ephesians 5, you hear these words, and you husbands show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her. Well, who here knows where they were on January 8th of 2011? Anybody? January 8th, 2011. Anybody know? In the first service, we had a couple people. Anybody? Not a one. Losers. I know where I was. I was in New York City. I just did Fox and Friends. And they wanted me to spend the weekend and do the Monday version as well. So I was walking the streets of New York and my cell phone went off. It was my daughter. Dad, Dad, did you hear the news? Honey, what are you talking about? Gabrielle Giffords was shot. Well, she's our congresswoman from Arizona. And a young man, 18 years old, who was crazy, to put it bluntly, pulled out a gun and started shooting people at an event. 18 people were shot. Six were killed. A bullet went right through Gabrielle's head and out the other side. She's recuperating now. In fact, last week I was on Fox last Thursday in New York and got a chance to talk to Mark Kelly, who's Gabrielle's husband. And she progresses, you know, with her struggle through rehab. But you know what didn't get the headlines that day? There was a man there that when this madman pulled out the gun, you know what he did? He took his wife like this, 76-year-old man, and he pulled her like this right behind him, took a bullet in the chest. He's in heaven today. Ladies, what you need to understand about that husband, yes, I know he can sit there and watch two ball games simultaneously in his boxer shorts, belching, eating a pizza. Yes, he is your gift from God. <laughs> he, he would take a bullet for you. That's how us men are. In the book, Have a New Husband by Friday, I say, ladies, think of your husband as a four-year-old that shaves. He's a simple one. He's not the complex person you are. You're weird and weird. He has two basic needs, to be needed and wanted by you. And some of you are saying, well, where's respect? It's in there, but it's not number one or two. Despite popular opinion, a husband wants to feel needed by you. He sure doesn't feel needed out in the world of work. He's looking over his shoulder. It's called downsizing. You know, and men identify outside of the family much more than women do. Women identify inside with relationships. Like I say, they're weird. They'll hug anything that moves. Just watch them here at church. They hug everybody. Oh, hi, how are you? And they kiss each other and they miss. I'm telling you, it's, there's humor in the fact. God was the original humorist when he came up with this one. And the two shall become one. Back to Ephesians 5.21. Listen to what it says. Honor Christ by being submissive to one another. You've got to know who you're leading. How many women here today or tonight would love a foot rub or a back rub? Hands up high. Foot rub or back rub? Gentlemen, make a note now, okay? Now, if Mrs. Uppington were here this morning, you wouldn't see her hand in the air. Do you know why? And to quote her, I don't like being robbed. Scratch me. She likes to be scratched. Now check this out. S-shaped like this on her back. S-shaped. And then backhand like this. Somebody that told me the difference between S-shaped and backhand. I don't have a clue. And then she loves it when I do this to her arms. And she really likes it when I just stroke the inside of her hands like this with my fingernails. Now, if I start there, she says, oh, I don't like that. That tickles. Start my back. 
and then I pray something will happen. Another thing about women, they lie like dogs. Can we talk about that for just a second? Now, talk about people who are different, night and day different. Mrs. Uppington is a five-forker, okay? She's a four-forker. She loves restaurants that have four and five forks. I hate those things. I'm a one-forker. Plastic fork, no problema. Okay? So we're out for dinner at one of those four-forkers. And we're offered dessert. Your dessert's only thirteen fifty apiece. And we passed on dessert. We're driving home. So she turns to me. We're driving home. She says, uh, uh, do you want to stop for ice cream? Ice cream? Uh, no. <laughs> Ten seconds later, I look over, and the, the lights in the cars are hitting her face. I see tears streaming down her face. What is wrong with you? Nothing, you're crying, aren't you? I said there's nothing wrong. What is wrong with you? I want to stop for ice cream. Talk about communication. When your wife says, honey, do you want to stop for ice cream? She is not asking a question. When she says, honey, we need to talk. No needs are needed by you, sir. She's got something to say. Now, here's the unique thing about women. Women want us men to know how they're thinking and how they're feeling without them having to tell us how they feel. Now, here's the problem for every man that's here. Okay, I'm going to do your thinking for you. Hey, honey, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Well, that's not good enough for the Mrs. Uppingtons of the world. It's just like we've had hard research for years about women. Women like to be held. They like to be cuddled. They like to be talked to. A woman says to her husband, uh, Harold, would you come over here and just uh, give me a hug? Puts down the newspaper, walks over and goes, what did she tell herself? Well, he held me all right, but he only held me because I asked him to and not because he really wanted to. Do you see the problem? They're weird. Women have the ability to come to a full point. You ever see a dog, a bird dog, work in a field? A bird dog will work a field back and forth, and all of a sudden they'll smell the scent of the bird. A quail, a pheasant, whatever, and the dog goes into a full point. And their whole body straightens out, little front paw goes up, head is out, nose in that direction, and the tail goes out behind them. (laughs) Women have the same ability to come to a full point many times when they're shopping. Oh! Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, that is adorable. Oh, they got two of them. I'm going to get them both. Or, or when they discover their girlfriend just got a new hairdo. Oh, I love your hair! Which is a clue for the other woman to say, Oh, don't even mention my hair. Look at I want leather and fair and my skin and my long neck and my coloring. And she shows her a picture of what it was supposed to look like. I mean, I'm shortening the conversation for time. <laughs> Women talk in volumes. They use three and a half times the number of words that men use in a given day. Two men meeting. Watch. I'll do it again in case you missed it. 
We specialize in arm's length relationships. Okay? Does your husband want an arm's length relationship with you? No. He doesn't. And by the way, he has no friends. He has no friends. He's got his fishing buddies. Oh, they talk a lot. 45 minutes of silence. Any hits? Nothing. That's communication. We go to our friend's house. He's a state farm agent. He's cooking steaks out back. I join him out back. We had a nice evening. We're driving home. She starts on me. And she says, what's new with Joe? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? I said, nothing. She said, well, you're out there in the backyard for a long time. What were you talking about? Nothing. (laughs) Women can't understand that men can be together and talk about nothing. That's who we are. You know, if I meet some guy at a punch bowl, I have no need to get into some deep, emotional, you know, see ya. Fist bump, goodbye, got my punch, I'm out of here. I mean, God's the original humorist, I'm telling you, we came up with the two shall become one. That's not easy, getting behind the eyes of a woman. It's not easy getting behind the eyes of a man. Because we see things from our own biased perception. And yet God calls us to come together. Well, how does this, how does this work into our faith? For people who grew up in critical eyed Families, okay? Most of you grew up in authoritarian homes. We'll talk about this on Monday night. Hey, you listen up. You're going to do what I tell you to do. As long as you live under this roof. You understand me? Oh, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> How many of you can identify with that? Okay, that's the authoritarian model. You know, well, now we got a whole another genre, you know, of parents. Oh, Brittany, it's 8 p.m. Have you chosen to go to bed yet? What's wrong with that picture? But anyway, if you grew up with a critical-eyed parent, one that could spot a flaw at 40 paces. I remember working with a girl. Her early childhood memory was she was helping her daddy wash the car, and daddy ripped the hose out of her hand and said, You're not spraying the car right. What kind of relationship do you think that girl had with her Heavenly Father? Hit and miss at best. Because she saw God... Is that big guy in the sky who had the biggest whammo slingshot looking for imperfect people like you and me. And I'm here to tell you, you and me are pretty imperfect people. If you want to take encouragement today, take a look at the disciples. They were dumb as mud. I, 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 they're the dumbest people that walk the earth in so many ways. If you look at the book of John, which I love to read the book of John over and over and over again. John 14. Jesus calls all the disciples together. He knows the sands of time is going by quickly. It's time for him to get on that cross. And by the way, did he want to get on that cross? No. The human side of him didn't want to get on that cross. But he knew he had to fulfill his Father's will. And he gets up he says, All right, listen up, guys. Peter, put your fork down. It's important. Eyes up here. All right, listen. I'm out of here, okay? I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. He says, And you know where I'm going. I love this scripture. Because Thomas... I identify so much with Thomas because he's so stupid. And, and he says, uh, Lord, we have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. And then Philip gets in the act. He says, yeah, yeah, show us the Father and then we'll know. And Jesus says to Philip, Philip, after all this time you've been with me, you don't know who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Seen the Father. 
Do you ever think how cool it would be to live when Jesus walked this earth? To be in the multitude and watch him feed 5,000? Or jump over to John 2, Jesus' first miracle at Canaan, Galilee? Wow, there's some teaching there. And and if you remember, this is sort of a funny story, I think, because they run out of vino, and Jesus' mother Mary is there, and she says, Hey, son, come here. Do your thing. (laughs) And what does Jesus say to his mother? Woman, what have you to do with me? He separates himself from his, his mom. He says, no. It's one of the mysteries in the Bible because you read on and Jesus changes the water and the wine. One day it hit me what happened. I think Jesus' mother, Mary, gave Jesus the look. <laughs> the same look you might give to your son or your daughter if you asked him to do something and he didn't do it. But you know, in verse 11 it says the disciples believed that He really was the Messiah. Well, it's easy to believe when you see it before your own eyes. But if you ever feel like you don't measure up, you haven't jumped high enough, you're not alone. Because I'm telling you, these guys were dumb as mud. On that Easter morning, they're sequestered behind closed doors. They're fearful that they're going to be discovered. Because they were seen with Jesus. They were Jesus' followers. And they were fearing that they were going to be killed. And all of a sudden in their midst, Jesus is standing in their midst. He didn't come through a door, folks. This is the Jesus we worship this morning. The all-powerful, the all-knowing God in the flesh. And I'm telling you, when He appeared there, the disciples were checking their pants. They weren't saying, oh, we knew you were going to come through that door any second. Yeah, we are just sitting here talking about it. No. You see, that's the humanness. I'm telling you, if you, if you feel like you don't measure up, you're, you're in good company. Because we're all imperfect. And that's why we believe in God's grace. He loves us despite our stupidity. I can tell you, there's been so many times in my life where I'll say, hey, Lord, let me drive. Let me drive. I can drive. Sort of move over there a little further, Lord. Okay, thank you. And I drive along life's way. I get down about a mile or two. And what do I do? I crash. And what's the first word out of my mouth? Lord, is that you, Lehman? Yeah. Could you just call me a little tow truck, get me out of this mess? It's on its way, fat boy. (laughs) He is able and just to what? Forgive us of our sin. That's called the human condition, folks. But what's keeping you from moving forward? Why aren't you where you say you want to get to? I don't know how many of you even remember the old Bob Newhart show, where he was a psychologist. And he had a little therapy group. And the guys in the therapy group were worth the whole show. But he had one little pipsqueaky little guy, a bald-headed guy. I think his name was Mr. Peterson. And Mr. Peterson was a salesman, but he wasn't making any sales. And so Bob said, well, let's role play this. Let's just sort of, you know, go through what you do. And he says, well, okay, well, I go to the door and I stand there. And then, uh, well, I stand there a while. And if no one comes out, then I move along to the next door. And Bob Newhart says, no, wait a minute. You just stand there? You don't knock on the door? No. You see the problem? See, some of us are treading water in life. And you're the busy hands people. That's the fun part about it. It's like you're in the deep end of the pool, and there you are treading water. 
And I come by and I'll say, hey, get moving along. And you look up at me and say, what are you, stupid? Can't you see my arms moving and your legs and my legs moving? I say, yeah, but you're not going anywhere. So you tell me where you want to go. Who's the successful one in your life, in your family? Where do you want to get to? You worship an awesome God that says all things are possible for those who love the Lord. So who's holding who back? And back to marriage. Do you know it would please your husband? Then why don't you please him? Maybe it's because all the baggage you had. Maybe you didn't have that loving father. Maybe you have a psychological chip on your shoulder about men. Maybe the word submissive really gets your hackles up. You've got to be mutually submissive to each other. That's what that wonderful verse in 521 is all about. You honor Christ by what? Being submissive to one another. I'm telling you, as a guy who's been married for 45 years in a row, there's nothing better than being married. Nothing. Do you slow down? You slow down. You slow down physically, emotionally, sexually. We're down to four or five times a week. (laughs) But we're dealing with it as best we can. And I'm just telling you, we need to be joyful in God's service on this earth. And who holds us back? I think we do. I think we should on ourselves, and we should on other people. You should do this, you should do that. The fact is that God made you a one of a kind. He's given you His Holy Spirit. What else do you need? You can drive down the big I. Is that what you call it here? Where 40 and 25 come together? And you can be talking to the creator of the universe. If that ain't cool, you tell me what's cool. And you have that power within you, and yet you tell me you can't do this and you can't do that. You're a lying dog. You're just lying to yourself. Because with God's help, all things are, in fact, possible. In terms of the love languages, you've got a little insert in your bulletin today about love languages. We all have love languages. My friend Gary Chapman wrote the book. Gary and I have been friends for years. I've been in his home for dinner, know his kids and his wife well. Talk about different people. Wow. Night and day different, those two people. But he gave us these love languages, sort of like, I think there's, there's almost a similarity between the birth order book. You read the birth order book, it's a life changer book for people. Read the five love languages, it's a life changer for people. He's given us some handles to hang on to. Uh, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch. What does your husband complain about, ladies? What does your wife complain about, gentlemen? Well, whatever she complains about, he complains about They're tipping their hand that this is important to me. That's their love language. But we're different. So we got two people. I always say Sandy and I live in a two-story house. Her story and mine. And we tend to see things completely different. I'm a morning person. I get up with a happy face. I'm telling you, pretty woman that she is. Uh, It takes a while for that beauty to come forth. She's got this apricot stuff she puts on her face in the morning. It's an eight-sided jar. It looks like poppy seed dressing to me. But it, it, it works. Oh, gosh, we've got to fly here. I'm out of time. Uh, question for you on this Sunday morning. Can you be a better Christian? Can you be a better Christian? That's the question. And it's a sucker question, so don't bob your head up and down too high. Because the fact is, you can't be a better Christian. That's like asking the question, can you be better pregnant? You're either pregnant or you're not. You either love God with all your heart or you don't. 
In fact, His Holy Word says this in Revelation. He says, if you're lukewarm about me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I think that's so cool. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, uses the word spit. (laughs) I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's a gross word in many ways. But that's how terrible that thought is to Almighty God. In terms of changing things in your life, you don't have to feel like changing it. Mrs. Uppington, God bless her soul, she's thrown out my slippers at least three times, and I've rescued her from the garbage each time. And the last time she was so frustrated, because I would admit they're filthy. They are filthy, they are gross, they have paint on them, which is a mystery, because I've never painted anything. <laughs> and and she sat there with her hands on her hips, she says, Le-, when she lectures me, it's Leamy. Leamy, 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 why do you insist on wearing those gross slippers? What do you suppose I tell her? Because they're what? Comfortable. We tend to slip back, folks, to what's... Oh, you two kids are listening. Interesting. What do you listen to me for? Do you have things better to do than listen to an old fat guy like me? It's sort of fun to see kids will listen, you know, to some old guy. But anyway... It's interesting, you can drift back to the comfortable, but the comfortable isn't good for you. God's not interested in you being a status quo. He wants you to share the love of Jesus with people, and not beating them over the head. You know, when I met Mrs. Uppington, she told me later, you know, kissing you is like kissing an ashtray. But you know what? When we first dated on that first date, if she would have said, excuse me, um, I need to share with you the four spiritual laws. I mean, I would have been gone in a second. We wouldn't be married today and have those five wonderful kids. So God has given you a brain in your head. Use it. Use it for His glory. Don't be afraid to talk about the life-changing power that exists in your life. Love people even though they're unlovable. As Sandra has said to me many times, I get these Pharisee letters. I'm sure Pastor Skip gets his share of them. They're written by well-meaning Pharisees who are the keepers of the law. I was on the Today Show once, and I got a 14-pager from a woman. She ripped me from one end to the other, and she signs it in Christian love, Ruth. I want to just punch her out. Well, in a Christian-loving way, you know what I mean. But, you know, the Pharisees are the keepers of the law, and I'm just reminded, God gives us, He gives us new life when He gives us His Son, Jesus Christ. New life. Be who you are. Mrs. Uppington would never wear socks like this. You know, she says, why do you wear those socks? I said, I don't know. But I got a drawer full of them. The wilder they are, I don't care if they match. I don't care what color they are anymore. I really don't care. That's who I am. I can play that same game, ladies. That's who I am. You women are weird. But we love you anyway. And men are strange. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about men are strange and women are, are weird. Let me leave you with this thought. How many of you have little pictures on your refrigerator door right now that are drawn by little kids? Hands up high. I want people to see. Now here's the question. Are those drawings any good? <laughs> good? I would say they're downright... Precious Lehman, my little grandson Timothy, drew that picture of that airplane for his Grammy. Oh, ma'am, I talked to Timothy, and that's a dinosaur. 
Well, it's still precious. I would think this morning, as Almighty God looks at each of our hearts, He sees these little imperfect people. These little imperfect drawings that don't have everything together. But the good news is, He loved us so much that He sent His Son into this world. And His Son did get on that cross. And He was mocked. And He was spit on. And they said things like, If you're who you say you are, why don't you get yourself off that cross? Do you know what the Lord Jesus could have done to his mockers, friends? With a simple look and a thought, they would have been ashes. But he fulfilled his Father's will. You and I have some fulfilling to do, too. To keep those commandments we said in front of God and friends years ago, relevant to our marriage to be good husbands, to be good fathers, to be good moms. There's nothing more important than family on this earth. God gave us that. He blessed that. He wants you to do good at it. What keeps us from doing good at it? Us. Our prideful, arrogant attitude that we want to win. Marriage is not a competitive sport. If someone's winning your marriage, guess what? We all lose. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for the great leadership of Skip and the other pastors here. Thank you for the many hands like these musicians who give so much time to your work every Sunday and every Saturday, Lord. Bless the many hands who make this Calvary Chapel exactly what it is, a great church, an outpouring of real Christian love in the Albuquerque area. So, Lord, this is your day. We do rejoice. We are glad that we can say that You are our father, and we are your daughter, and we are your son. So, Lord, I just pray right now that people who've never made that decision, that never say, Lord, I'm sick of making deals with you, I want to live life to the fullest, and I want to be yours forever, and I want to share eternity with you, that right now, in the quietness of their heart and mind, that that decision will be made. Thank you, Father, for loving us as you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.